1: Hey, Kirsty. Hey, McCall. How are you doing? Good, good. And for all
2: of our listeners and watchers, thanks for joining us on another episode of Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast. We do this podcast typically at least once a year, this topic, um, sometimes twice a year, but it's been a year since we've done this. Um, You may recognize one of our guests already, but I will let you go ahead, Kirsty, and introduce who we have today and explain
1: to our listeners and viewers what we're going to talk about. Exactly. Yeah. So we're recording this, you know, in November. It's, it's fall. It's the uh, harvest or end of harvest. And we wanted to do an update actually on how our farmers did or are doing as we continue and get into winter. So the guest that you probably do recognize if you're a Cloudy with a Chance of podcast fan is Dr. Aaron Wilson. He has been with us many times before, but he is a research a scientist for the Beard Polar and Climate Research Center. He also is a climate specialist for the Ohio State Extension He's a meteorologist as well, but uh, we love talking to Dr. Aaron Wilson Mm -hmm. about some of the the climate aspects here uh, in Ohio. And our new guest, who is also from Ohio State, is Elizabeth Hawkins. Uh, She is a precision agriculture field specialist, and she also hosts her own podcast as well, Agronomy and Farm Management. So we've got a fellow podcaster with us. And Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here today. It's
2: wonderful. I I love having other podcasters on the show. Then we know you know what you're getting into.
3: (laughs) Oh, definitely. It's always a lot of fun.
1: (laughs) So let's start off, Elizabeth, with
3: you explaining a little bit about what it is you actually do. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a field specialist at Ohio State. I have a statewide appointment. Um, Like you said, I focus on precision ag and agronomic crops. So my goal really is to just help farmers across the state. Um, to do a good job in the field, whether that be adopting technology to make them more profitable or just making decisions on their farm. Um, I focus really heavily on on on-farm research. So getting farmers involved in the research process to help drive learning on how to improve both our quality of crop and the profitability on our farms.
1: That is really interesting. Mm -hmm. About how many farms would you say that you visit and or help, let's say a year?
3: Oh, gosh, that's a tough number. Um, My typical annual contacts are in the thousands. Wow. Wow. A lot of time, I don't go to that many farms, um, but through our E-Fields on-farm research program, we're working with over 100 farmers with on-farm research. So I love getting out on farms, you know, and learning about Ohio agriculture. I learn something every day by working with farmers.
1: That's amazing. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Aaron, if people are new here, maybe haven't heard about you yet, let's have you explain a little bit about what you do and how you and Elizabeth are, you know, work together a little bit, you know?
4: Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I, I love weather and climate, love talking about it any, any chance that I get. Um, I've had a, a really awesome experience over the last five years working with Extension, and this is how I uh, came to know Elizabeth and, and um, you know, working on weather and climate related topics and how that impacts farmers across the state and across the region, um, and both being research oriented as well, Elizabeth and I are often brainstorming on how we can advance our knowledge and how weather impacts specific agronomic issues and, and, and planning issues and, and all kinds of things. And so um, certainly it's been great to have Elizabeth as a colleague and as a friend, you know, and both of us growing up in the Miami Valley, or not growing up, but, but residents of the Miami Valley at some point in our lives, um, it's, it's always great to be on with uh, you and McCall. That's great. Yay.
3: Yeah. And it
2: has to be a a great partnership between Aaron and Elizabeth because, you know, climate is becoming more of a talking point, especially as we're getting into these recent years. And farmers, um, I think, have been climate scientists their whole life. They've been watching yeah. trends themselves as they're planting and growing for the season and seeing how things are changing. But having a good partnership like that, I think is probably the best, not only for Ohio, but hopefully there's other partnerships like this across the country. Do you guys agree?
3: Oh, oh absolutely, sorry. Erin has been a great asset to us at Ohio State because we know that weather is the number one variable that farmers are gonna deal with every year. Right. And having his ability to help us be prepared for things that are coming and to better understand climate trends is just amazing. It's he's an amazing resource for Ohio farmers. Oh,
0: shock. Yay!
4: <laughs> <Thank> you. are <laughs> making him blush. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, let's, well,
4: well, let's I always into... say farmers are a great crowd because they, you know, they they come to us with you know what was yesterday hot, yesterday's high. It's to a tenth of a degree, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and and how much rainfall to a hundredth of an inch. So they are <laughs> natural <laughs> meteorologists. Yeah, they are. It's just, it's just a great. Great um, uh, working relationship. Mm. That's awesome.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about this past year. I feel like, you know, we've had so much going on with continuing to live through a pandemic Mm -hmm. that uh, maybe it was put on hold, our our talk about what's going on in the fields and and how this year was. So I don't know if that's an Aaron question or Elizabeth, uh, but, you know, harvest, is it totally wrapped up yet or is it our farmers still harvesting?
3: I've got some numbers that I pulled on this for you guys. That'd be
1: great. Love So it.
3: <laughs> the USDA puts out weekly updates throughout okay. the season. Um, as of last Monday, which was the 14th, the USDA is putting Ohio at 78% completed wow. on corn harvest and 88% on soybean harvest, which as far as averages go, that <laughs> is about as normal as we can possibly get. Um, we're dead fun. on trend for the corn five-year average, and we're just a little bit behind on soybean. I think 4% behind on soybean. That's great. Yeah. Thanks to Aaron. Overall, the weather has been really favorable (laughs) for harvest this year.
2: Yeah. For people that didn't know Aaron, he makes the weather, right? You just you (laughs) say, okay, I'll make it dry and I'll make it wet.
3: (laughs) We always put in our requests.
2: Mm -hmm. But I think overall the weather this year, or at least for this season, has seemed normal. So that's obviously correlating to in the field. But how are those trends actually looking, Aaron? um now
4: yeah so kind of looking at the whole year first thing is we we have probably our driest spring across the entire state than we've had in the last six years and so there was a lot of efficient planting there were plenty of open windows for that we did have those late season cool spells again you know Mm -hmm. after a very warm Mm -hmm. march uh but they were most folks were able to work around that um, we had some pretty timely rains in, in July, for instance. It got a little bit dry in August, and that may have hurt soybeans just a little bit. but, but you know I'm, Elizabeth can talk more about the yields, uh, certainly looking good across much of the state. Uh, we've moistened up. We've gotten rid of any of our drought pretty much across the state or any abnormally dry areas. Um, the Northwest certainly had, you know, its wettest and warmest yeah. uh, October on record. You know, Ohio had its warmest October on record in our 127-year record, especially in those overnight lows, which is tremendous warmth mm-hmm. in the overnight. A lot of humidity around, um, which you know, if it's dry, that's good. You know, harvest can 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 proceed really efficiently. Uh, but some of our counties in the Northwest, where we see those those down numbers, just a little bit because of that that sort of late season. You know, eight eight inches of rain, for instance, up around Fulton County, for instance, and so yeah. uh, of late, of course, we've had our, our snaps, our cold snaps, uh, pretty late freeze, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting to see this much color in the trees. I was a bit worried uh, that we would just lose all the leaves at once. We had some green leaves falling, but right, still plenty, still plenty of color here. You yeah. know, the week before Thanksgiving, and so uh, some good, some bad, but overall, like like Elizabeth said, you know, just pretty good conditions. Uh, which the farmers needed, you know, after the last five years, yeah, you know, yeah. struggles, um, it, it was good to be a little bit blase, right? This year. <laughs> I, was,
1: I was gonna say boring is sometimes great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I, then, and I thought
2: about that, you know, the last five years have been really, really rough on farmers. They needed a break here in Ohio, at least. And so it was, uh, you know, a pleasant surprise that that it wasn't so chaotic this year from severe weather to intense rains to drought. So thankfully, but that's climate and uh, some years are normal. And then we start to see more of those extremes being extreme. And I think we're starting to understand that when it's going to be bad, it's going to be really bad. Yeah.
1: Go ahead, Kirstie. Um, I had a question for you, Elizabeth, and I don't know actually if this is is in your wheelhouse or not, um, but obviously weather-wise it was boring enough that farmers could plant and, and pretty much harvest ar- around you know, similar time frame that they would want, but we were actually really quite moist. And that, I hate that word, but our dew points were, in, and not just in my opinion, they were high for the Miami Valley. We had a new meteorologist that came up from Georgia <laughs> and I said, oh, it's so rare that we have dew points in the seventies. And then we continuously had them for lar- a pretty long stretch. Uh, does that, or did that impact pests? You know, what I, like, did the farmers have to deal with any invasion of any sort of crop pest outside of just, like, rain? I know sometimes there are different types of fungus that can grow on the on plants and crops. Did we have to worry about that this year? Was this a pretty normal year for, for that?
3: We did see, as a result of those higher dew points and just the humidity, um, a higher incidence of disease in our crops okay. this year. Luckily, um, farmers have a lot of tools to help manage those, and a lot of them were on their A game. They knew, given the timely planting and the the rain, you know, it's two sides of the coin, right? We need it, but it can also cause issues. We had just about the right amount. So they knew we had good crop potential out there, good yield potential, and so they got in there timely and protected that crop. Um, We did see some tar spot, which is a new disease to Ohio over the last few years. Normally, it's isolated in northwest Ohio. We saw that in late summer spread across almost the entire state. It was actually my first year seeing it in person in the Miami Valley. So interesting, but luckily came in late enough and was managed pretty well to not impact yields too terribly.
1: That's good to hear.
3: So as we are starting
2: to head into the winter season, obviously this is going to be Aaron's wheelhouse um, we have, as we were talking before we came on here, a true La Niña that's going to be um, impacting us this winter. We were in a little bit of a weak one last year, and um, I'm just interested to hear your thoughts on what we're looking ahead to for the next three months.
4: Yeah, so last year about this time we were, you know, I'm, I'm a a winter connoisseur. So I, have, I mean, and a lot of meteorologists love snow. I don't know what what's it's in our blood, <laughs> you know?
1: right?
4: um, but You know, La Nina always presents a, it's kind of a fickle thing, right? Because obviously when we head throughout our winter season, and especially after the first of the year when we head into January and February, it often brings a very wet pattern across the Ohio Valley. It's like the one of the strongest signals across the country. Um, Whether that translates to snow, Is always the the difficult question, you know. We have to look to the Arctic to understand: is that jet stream across the Arctic really strong and keeping all that cold air bottled up across the north, or can we have some cold air snaps that can come down and maybe do what we call phase together with some of that mm-hmm. moisture and produce a, n- a nice decent snowfall, or are we going to have big what we call what overrunning situation where we create ice around the Miami Valley, for instance? So, um, a lot of that is, I think on the table. Uh, We expect uh, to be very um, wet season for the next three months. Temperatures right now, according to the the Climate Prediction Center, are expected to be above average, you know, but what we know with La Nina too is highly variable, right? The jet stream is is pretty wavy. It's highly variable. uh, So we can have big oscillations between warm temperatures and cold temperatures and a lot of wind. I expect a lot of wind throughout the season as well as these systems transition. And I think, you know, looking at our our more recent conditions over the last week, and even if you look at the forecast for the next week or two, starting to look La Nina, you know, we're starting Mm -hmm. to see that pattern evolve in some of the forecasts. Um, So I do expect we'll have a wet season uh, when it's all said and done.
2: So Elizabeth, how does that impact farmers in the sense of, you know, what are they planning for? I know it's not big planting season when you're going to get into the middle of December, but does that impact early planting in the spring? To, like, what, what are the things that maybe you and Aaron talk about this time of year?
3: Yeah, I've learned a lot from Aaron on this front over the last few years. You know, we like seeing that recharge of our soil moistures over the winter. Um, they tend to trend down through the hot summer months. So having a good reserve going into the season is really important to us. But I've learned that these La Nina conditions that are cooler and wetter can also delay planting in the spring in some years. Um, So like Erin said, it's kind of unpredictable as we move into spring, but again, two sides of the coin where we need that soil moisture, but we also wanna get in and warm up once the spring months hit.
2: It's probably better to have more of that 50-50 rain and snow rather than it being so mild that we're just having a ton of rain and the ground is just too soft and too wet to get in there. So when do, um, are you starting to get concerned? Is that like around the month of February when you're looking at soil moisture and and planting for the next year?
3: Um, Probably really around April is when I start to get nervous. I know some farmers start thinking about it earlier in March, Um, but things can change so quickly in the spring. We know that's a really variable time with our weather and what we have one week isn't necessarily what it's going to look like next week. So once we hit that second week of April, I start watching the weather really closely.
2: Mm -hmm. Kirstie, you're
1: muted. (laughs) I think what's interesting too is, um, you know, when we have these La Nina winters where we can get those big snows and big storms, sometimes they will also phase out towards the end of winter. And we've seen it in the past where we get a lot of snowpack and then we end up having quite a bit of flooding or that Mm -hmm. overly moist soil and it just can be a mess. And I want to say this wasn't too long ago that we had a winter into spring scenario. Maybe Erin, you could help me with this. But that, that did happen, that we ended up melting just so much snow, and then we were pretty wet in the spring, and then we dealt with quite a bit of flooding, and the, the fields were just bogged down.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, so it, it, a lot of that comes down to the soil capacity. You know, we're not oh. dry, but we're not nearly as super saturated as we were in 2018 and 2019. So I have to say there's, okay. there's some capacity, right, for the soils to absorb some of this moisture. But of course, if you've got three or four inches of liquid water sitting in that snowpack, it melts with a two or three inch rainfall. Uh, that could always be, you know, a problematic. The other thing that we've seen in the long term trends, you know, are heavier rainfalls in February, right? right. And, and that really causes an issue when it comes to erosion, soil loss, nutrient loss for farmers across the state. And I would say the other thing they'd be concerned about from a La Nina or wet wet winter is livestock and mud and um, you know, if we're not, may, maybe perhaps frequent freeze and thaw cycles, which right. from a soil structure can be beneficial, can help break up some stuff, but uh, could also lead to some, some you know, what we have our cover crops and forages that, that kind of suffer uh, with those conditions as well. So there's never a perfect pattern uh, mm-hmm. in weather, um, but if we can, you know, we, 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 we like the stability, we'd like a little bit more stability, of course, that's kind of contrary to what we're seeing in those long-term trends. Now,
2: of course, La Nina for us means, um, as we're discussing, a potential for a wetter season. But I think climate overall, as we continue to warm, you know, just the basics of meteorology, when you have colder air, you tend to have a drier air mass and you're not holding as much moisture, which would tend to lead to not as much of a higher content of water that potentially could be um, impacting our soils. But Aaron, can you just talk about, you know, climate in general, as we're starting to see winters that are warmer those overnight lows that are not as cold as they used to be that it it's not necessarily going to always matter la nina season to a normal season
4: yeah you're right so you know in in trying to use what we've historically used in terms of forecasting or projecting i should say seasonal conditions is, is much more difficult with those changing warming backgrounds, right, that, that those warming temperatures. We know that overall winters are warmer, overnight lows are warmer, getting into spring typically is warmer as well, much more in the cooler months than in, the say, the summertime when it's mostly the overnight lows where we mm-hmm. see the changes that are taking place. That's really evident, I think, if you compare our new normals, for instance, um, and we can get into that if we want today, but, um, you know, different, you know, the, those, those conditions that we or I should say forecasting signals that we've relied on the past are a little less reliable um because of those changing conditions right so um and and then that in turn then shifts some of the impacts on agriculture and and other things a little bit differently the other thing too is with the variability you know we always talk about the variability and, and and people always comment about how much more variability we see in the system those sustained cold air outbreaks you know um where even as a kid, I remember one or two weeks where you can be in the single digits for highs Mm -hmm. and overnight lows below zero. You know, we might, we might get clipped by a few days that are really cold, uh, but then it moderates fairly quickly. Right. And and we've seen a lot of that as well. And so snowpack doesn't stick around very often. You know, we can, we've had some big snowfalls, you know, you talked about more moisture in the atmosphere. We can see really heavy snowfalls, much more actual snow than, than the Miami Valley saw, for instance, in the 78 blizzard. Uh now I'm not comparing the two because the conditions, the wind, right. The, right. the temperature fall, all that stuff. But the fact that we see more we can see more snowfall in a warming environment seems counterintuitive for a lot of folks, but it's indeed the case because you can see, you know, a lot more moisture falling uh in forms of, of snow if you have the cold air around. So
2: and speaking to that, I actually just read an article, I think it was released by NOAA this past spring, and there had been a study over the past 30 years, I believe in Lake Michigan, where they're measuring the water temperature and it's been coming up. And the counterintuitive part is, is when you get into the winter months, it may take longer for those lakes to freeze. And we know mm-hmm. what that means is you have a potential for those high lake effects snow events. So you can start seeing more and more um, significant snowfalls around the lakes. Um, which makes you think, oh, our planet isn't warming, but it, the waters are warming, the lakes are warming. And then in the winter, that could mean um, significant problems there. Kirstie, cut you off what were
1: are going to say? Oh, no, that's right. It literally goes right with that. Because if I'm not mistaken with our new 30-year um, normals, one of the increases was that we had a slightly higher snow on average, which again, most people are like, but that doesn't make any sense. We're warmer now. How do we have more snowfall? Shouldn't it be when we're colder than normal? But um, That's not necessarily the case because we're able to support just bigger snows. And even with the lake effect snow, we saw, um, I don't know how many years ago it was, but you remember this, McCall, because we had it in the newscasts when uh, I think it was Buffalo had that lake effect Mm -hmm. event that just didn't stop. So when you're talking about, you know, fall, winter, and spring for lake effect areas, and that's Lake Erie, Lake Michigan, Lake Huron, um, you know, if you're getting cold air and the lake never freezes over, you will have lake effect snow that can (laughs) go for season, you know, several months. Yeah. Um, and if the wind is favorable like that, then it really does. It's hard to shut off that machine. They say the lake effect snow machine, uh, you know, it's becomes harder to shut it off if you're not getting winters that the lakes are freezing over or become mostly ice. Mm -hmm.
2: Elizabeth, I have a question for you about um, farmers and you may or may not know the answer, so here might be coming that random hard question. Um, (laughs) And I've had this question sitting in my mind for the past few years I went to an expo, um, the Dayton Green Expo, in fact, where we talked about climate and farmers. Is there any thought given to will farmers have to start shifting the potential crops that they're planting as we are warming and seeing wetter grounds. I know our main crops, especially in Southwest Ohio are soybeans and corn, but is there any discussion about more hardier crops that might be able to handle a wetter and warmer climate?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's probably more discussion happening about how we can adapt our current practices to help corn and soybean be more successful in these changing conditions. But we've also seen farmers really focusing on bringing Um, cover crops into their rotation, or you see Mm -hmm. a lot more winter wheat going in that helps us buffer that extra soil moisture in the winter, um, helps us hold on to that soil when we're seeing those increased rainfalls. So it's definitely something they're thinking about. You know, Aaron and I have worked together on some meetings, just talking about resilience Mm -hmm. to these changing weather conditions. So it's definitely at the forefront of the minds of our farmers. And what's the feedback
2: What's the feedback of the farmers with this discussion? Yeah. Are they accepting of it? Or are they pushing back? They just want to stay in their their ways. What is it like?
3: You see a little bit of both. You know, farmers are a diverse group of people, but I would say the majority of them are not only looking forward to getting this information and learning more, but they're asking for it. They know, you know, farming is a long term generational business and they have to be on their toes to make sure that they're making sure that their farm and their operation is ready for these changes so that their future generations can be successful as well that's
2: amazing um aaron do you want to talk a little bit about the the new climate normals that we have
4: yeah well we meant you know we mentioned them kirstie mentioned them as well you know um you know, the National Weather Service uses this 30 year window, obviously, for, for to comparison to what's average, our daily high daily low, that those sorts of things. And of course, uh, every 30 year, you know, every 10 years, that gets updated. And so now we've shifted before we had the 1980s as part of that 30 year window. Uh, we've dropped the 80s and replaced it with the 2010s. And we know over the last decade, for instance, I mean, many of our top 10 wettest years in Ohio have all occurred in the last decade, you know, going back 127 years. So we've shifted the rainfall you know, pretty significantly in 10, 15%, right, to more, more rainfall uh, just by dropping off the 80s and, and adding uh, the 2010s. And there's some, seasonal, some interesting seasonal patterns in that precipitation that I like to call out when I'm talking to farmers is the fact that the traditional off-season that we talked about, fall, winter, spring, mm-hmm. big increases in rainfall mm-hmm. or precipitation. But if you look at some core months like July and even August, There's some flat to negative precipitation trends. And this idea, this concept where we're strengthening the hydrologic cycle so that we get, you know, in the warm season, very strong evaporation from the surface. It can dry out those soils really readily. And we know. When we do that, there's less moisture available for thunderstorms and, and you can get into, you know, drought begets drought kind of thing. And so mm-hmm. in a world where we can see more rainfall throughout the entire year, the seasonal distribution has changed. And, it, and that's, that's evident in these, in these climate normals, even though the normals were never right created to talk about climate change. They were created in the 1930s of the, the assumption that climate is static. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. But, but if you compare the two, uh, you know, there's some, some distinct changes. And I think that uh, really just speaks to the rapid and the acceleration of the change that we've seen over the last um, 20, 30 years.
2: I talking about that's farming and I'm not a farmer by any means, um, but living in Southwest <laughs> Ohio for the, the decade that I've been here is when you're talking June and July, starting to have lesser amounts of precipitation. I know that that's right when our corn is really starting to reach its maturity, and that could have, I imagine, a direct direct impact on how the crop is gonna do itself. Elizabeth?
3: Yeah, absolutely. As we move through the season, you see corn and soybean both are gonna accelerate how much moisture they're gonna take up out of the soil. Um, pollination, when we're looking at both of those crops, is incredibly important. Even grain fill is important. So when you look at the crops, it's important that we have those timely rains through July, soybeans even into August and September to make sure that we're driving yields and having enough moisture available for the crop. If it starts to dry out and the plants are taking that moisture up, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a double whammy if we're having a lot of evapotranspiration and nothing replenishing it at the same time.
2: Yeah.
3: And we just have about
1: five minutes left. Christy. do you have any uh, final question? I just had one final thing and this might be an observation, um, Elizabeth, that you would have. Do you work a lot, I guess, with the soil, like with the quality of the soil in Ohio? And if you do, what trends have you noticed with that over the years, just with our changing weather and, and you know, years of extreme drought, years that we've had frequent, you know, heavy rains, has that impacted the soil that you have seen?
3: That's a great question. Um, you know, soil is something that when we talk about the time scale of what it changes, it can be pretty slow. Um, We have seen over the last few decades um, a renewed interest in building organic matter, which is gonna help hold on to soil moisture. And so you see a lot of farmers changing practices, currently cover crops, again, I'll bring that up, to help build organic matter to increase the ability for soil to hold on to that moisture. Um, Again, this is something that on a time scale, it's gonna take a long time to see significant changes, but hopefully we're trending in the right direction from you look back to the Dust Bowl days, just a very <laughs> big change in mindset.
2: Right. Well, that's so interesting. It is interesting. And climate is a slow change. It's not a right. it's not like weather; it's day-to-day <laughs> dramatic change. But I think as long as you're planning now, by the time we're, you know, 10, 20 years down the road, we'll be in a better spot than if there was no planning at all. Um, Aaron, Elizabeth, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. I feel like we could have been talking for i don't know 30 40 more minutes (laughs) um but let's see how this season goes let's see this la niña if it is wet and it is crazy and we're getting into next season and we're worried about the farmers i want to bring you guys both back on to to talk about it Um, And thank you all our watchers and listeners for tuning in for another episode of Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast. If you're new to the podcast, download, subscribe, listen, anywhere a podcast is distributed. You can also watch the video version on whio.com, on Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV. You just have to look for the WHIO app there and you'll see our videos within the app. As always, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.